This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hello and welcome to Audiobook Connection, behind the scenes with the creative teams. I'm Becky Parker Geist and I'm your host. Audiobook Connection is your place to learn about the audiobook creative process in discussions between the authors, narrators, producers, and post-production teams that bring them all together, as well as guests who have listened to the audiobooks and have questions for the creative teams. This podcast is sponsored by Pro Audio Voices, helping great stories come alive through audiobook production and marketing. Hi, everyone. I have with me today Maggie Newcomb, author of Chocolate Pudding in Heaven, The Intriguing Journey of My Bipolar Mind. Thank you, Maggie, for being with me today. Thank you so much for having me. This is exciting. Yeah, so I would love to just start off with uh, having you tell us a little bit about your book, what it's about, what inspired you to write it, that sort of thing. Yeah, so it is Chocolate Pudding Heaven, The Intriguing Journey of My Bipolar Mind. So the title gives it away a little bit. I was diagnosed with bipolar one disorder when I was 16 and subsequently had a very severe manic episode and was hospitalized. And so it was such an extreme moment in my life that I've been kind of a mental health advocate for a while. And it was really important for me to document my story of, of living with the illness, but more important, how my family and I were able to overcome the illness and, and I was able to find recovery. So the book really documents my breakdown at age 16 and 26. And again, more important, how I overcame it. And I was so inspired to write the story because I feel like mental illness in our society is still, there's so much stigma surrounding it. And you don't hear a lot of the positive stories of people going through it and coming out a better place. And over the years, I've met so many people uh, who live with mental illness and who are doing just that and having a positive life, found treatment. So I was inspired to put a different kind of story out there about mental illness. I love your the title itself. Yes, the subtitle speaks to, you know, sort of gives us a clue, a, a peek behind that door, you know, what's going to be in there. But the title and and the uh, the prologue is uh, just really great. It immediately made made me want to uh, to jump in and, and hear, you know, get to the whole story. Good. <laughs> I'm, I'm curious in terms of your just a little bit about your writing process. Did you when you were younger, were you documenting anything? Did you keep a journal? What kinds of things were became your source materials? Yeah, so I journaled. You know, in my first hospitalization, they give you a journal. And so I journaled throughout my entire episodes. And it's something that had such a traumatic imp- impact on my life that I remembered it. And I always, it's like something that you just don't ever forget. And so journaling it, documenting it that way. And I was able to go back and even look at records and look at my journals to make sure my memory kind of lined up (laughs) with that as well. And so definitely journaling over the years has helped a lot with like preserving the story. Right. And and so I'm curious, was that journaling process then a part of your healing process as well? Oh, yeah. I think journaling 
I mean, I know that's not what this podcast is about, but yeah, I mean, you but... could do a whole thing on journaling and how healing that is. Cause that's, you know, before I was even diagnosed and I struggled with depression, I would use journaling as a way to kind of write it out. And I, when I speak to audiences about mental illness and mental illness recovering, journaling is a huge part of it because you're, you're writing it and you're getting it out of your head and putting it onto paper. And there's something about that that is very healing. And I think that that was also the same as writing the book is when, when I wrote the book, I did it obviously to get the story out, but in a way it was super healing for me because I put it all out there and it almost really helped me actually accept it and move on to new chapters. Yeah. Just to, this is going a little bit down a rabbit hole, but you (laughs) reminded me. And so I just thought, well, I'll share it. Um, I also have done a lot of journaling in my life and continue to now. And at one point I wrote a one woman show. Uh, It was about, you know, it was biographical and related to, uh, you know, when my sister passed on and what happened in our family. And I found it fascinating to go back and read what I was journaling and that at that time, there's so much I didn't remember or remember it the way I, it ha- I was experiencing it. Yeah, no, that's so, that's really exciting that you, you found a way to be able to make something productive out of that and do you, you said a one woman show? Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's so cool. <laughs> yeah. Well, it is. I just agreeing. You know, it is a healing. Uh, it's a healing process. So I, yeah, I, I was surprised too when I went back and I was like, I thought I was so sure about, and I, I go, oh, that's a little different than I remember it. So I was glad I had that record to go back right. to. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So then, sort of jumping to this next step of so when it came to doing the audiobook. So you'd already published, and about how many years had passed between the time you published the print and and now so when you're doing uh, the audio? Six years went by. It took me about five years to write the book, and um, it was such a huge lift because I did everything. I hired uh, an editor. I hired the cover designer. I did work with a really great company uh, to help me put it out, um, Authority Publishing, but it, it was such a huge lift that I was almost just after I was done, I was just like, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. It's like, yeah. I can't do anything else. And it, it was also me coming out for the first time as living with a mental illness. Um, I'd done stand up for many years, but I never actually talked about living with a mental illness in my stand up, at least not very much. So it was a huge coming out with the book. And it was like, I felt so vulnerable and in a way I almost needed to a break after I put it out. And I wanted to do an audio, you know, a lot of people told me to do the audiobook, but I would shop around and everybody was like, oh, you have to hire an actor. That The companies I looked at would only work with you if you had an actor. And I was like, well, I really need to do it in my own voice. So I finally did so, it. Uh, that actually leads right into what I was, you know, so my next question is, Zara, so when it came, you knew you wanted to narrate it yourself. So as you were thinking about that, what were the factors that you used in sort of weighing that decision, making that decision? Well, I think if it, so it's a memoir and it's in my voice. If it was a book I wrote that was not in my own voice, like if I was writing a book about something else, I probably would have used an actor because that probably seems a lot smoother. (laughs) But uh, I decided that I was like, it is in my voice and I'm a speaker and I do stand up. And so my voice is part of my package that comes with me because I, you know, want to continue speaking and doing stand up. So 
it was more about being authentic to the vision that I had written a book in. And so my husband and I first thought we were going to be able to do it like on our own. You know, we like, you know, did a little how-to video and we sat there and we're like, oh, we can't do this by ourselves. (laughs) (laughs) We were thinking we were going to get, we were going to make a closet into a little audio studio and then we just, we didn't do it. So it it took a while to find the right fit of of how to get started with it. I love that what you brought up about how you're a speaker and how that was an important factor and that, you know, that's part of the package. And it really speaks to something that I am often sort of harping on a little bit in this podcast is about having goals and letting your, that your goals are driving these kinds of decisions. And so I'm really glad that you brought that up. And I want to make sure at the end that we make sure our listeners know how to find out more about you as a speaker and author and all the things that you're doing in the world. So, but let's come to this. So this was the first time that you'd really had done a recording, right? And you've been performing, right? But this is a first recording experience. So I, since I know part of the story, I'm going to share a piece of that, and then I want to have you share a little bit more. So we started off uh, when once that was really clear that you were going to be the voice, then we found a local studio, a studio close to you. And then in those first couple few sessions, we had me on the line as a director, getting you started, getting the process rolling, and helping you really get a feel for what we were paying attention to in the process. And then now tell our listeners what happened, you know, once, what was that next step? So yeah, I I was so nervous to do audio and I don't know why, because I'm a speaker and, you know, I've done stand-up, but it's totally much more intimate and it's it's almost like another medium that you just have to get used to. And so... I met with you and I did it with you. I was so nervous that sometimes that the first two sessions with you are almost like a blur because <laughs> I, was so, <laughs> I was so nervous and you all of a sudden forget how to read and how to breathe. And you were so great in coaching me and just kind of helping me get back to feeling it. And you had some great encouraging words. So after that, I was trying to figure out how I was going to do it. And I asked my husband to be the person that sat there uh, with me. And he actually, he has a really good attention to detail that I don't. I don't know if most husbands have that, but he's always been my kind of artistic partner of able to catch those. So he volunteered to sit with me in the recording and he would read along as I would. And he would, probably not as good as you, you obviously, (laughs) because you're much more experienced (laughs) than his, but he really was able to stop me and go, wait, let's do that again. You sounded kind of not down. And then we also had an engineer, the the owner of the studios, Darling New Media in Sacramento. And he also would listen and would chime in every once in a while. So I felt like I had a team of people there kind of helping me. But I I learned, you know, there's so many things I learned about this process that I would do differently that I really needed to prepare ahead of time. And read it ahead, what are the words and stuff? Because sometimes I forget and I'd be like, oh, there's an accent coming up. Am I really going to do this accent right now? Like, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) So it was stuff like that, that we kind of figured out together and it was a little bit of a trial and error. So yeah, my husband and I 
we did, we had to do several sessions and I'm forgetting how many we even did, but yeah, he was there through it all. So I was lucky I found him. Yeah. So, so as you uh, got further along and were realizing the kind of preparation that you felt would really help you, what was, what was that preparation? So since there was such a long lapse between when the book came out and when I did the audiobook, you know, six years is a long time. And especially these days, you know, times have changed, you know, just especially the last couple of years. I wish that I would have read through the book and figured out what little tweaks I wanted to make ahead of time. I didn't do that. And I don't know why. I think it was just because I was like, I published it. It's done. But I really wish I would have read it, you know, really prepared ahead of time because I was I was deciding the changes in the recording. Um, and then going back and changing them, which I don't think was the most productive, but you know, I didn't know what I didn't know. So if there is a long lag time, if you just published it, then yeah, you wouldn't need to do that. You maybe, maybe you would read ahead and say, is there something different audio wise I need to be aware of? Right. But it was stuff like that. So like even looking at like accents, am I going to do the accent or not going to do the accent? I had like a Russian accent that I did. And then we listened to it and I was like, no, that's way too much. <laughs> so she just won't have an accent. So yeah. it's stuff like that and, you know, little little things you want to do. So that that was what I would say is like, read the whole book again. And then each before each recording session, figure out how you're know, probably going to do maybe four or five chapters and like read ahead. Is there anything I want to change? Fine. I'll just make the point that you to just sort of drive home a point that you made and about that it's okay to change the text when you're doing the audio. Mm-hmm. I know that there is a uh, a misperception out there with many folks that think, oh, no, it has to be word perfect exactly the way you wrote it. It does not. There is a lot of room for flexibility. And your experience, especially bringing this material forward in a very different time. I mean, I was like, not very different, but in a different time. You know, yeah, a lot yeah. transpires over six years, right? Mm-hmm. In terms of our attitudes, you know, just societally. So being able to go to approach your material with that idea, that mentality of, yes, I can change this, I think is really, really great. And I just want to make sure everyone's clear on that. Yeah, I think it's necessary for sure. Yeah, yeah. Let's pause for a moment. We'll be right back. Looking for a way to get some direction and help with building your author platform and marketing your books and audiobooks? Pro Audio Voices created the audiobook marketing program to help authors like yourself get the support they need at an affordable rate. We work with you to bring your goals together with our marketing expertise to create a customized blueprint the tools and materials to build your platform, step-by-step instructions, and the team to help you all along the way. For more information, visit ProAudioVoices.com and click on Audiobook Marketing Program. Pro Audio Voices, helping great stories come alive through audiobook production and marketing. Are there, were there any other surprises in the process or or challenges? Yeah, I think that I wish I maybe would have practiced in the studio with the exact kind of way I was going to do my whole recording because, and maybe even listening to it back after the first few recordings, I kind of just like jumped into it because towards the end of the recording, I was telling my husband, I was like, my voice is a little bit soft. Like, 
He's like, yeah, but that's how it is through the whole thing. He's like, so I didn't change do have you do anything different and i was like oh so and i I mean it worked out fine like i think it's fine but maybe even if i didn't realize how how many choices you have when you're doing audio and so just to know the different cadence of your voice and maybe do you want to be more of like a strong thing are you more softer that i maybe did a little practice with and and because i think you're just like i want to get it done like that was my attitude because it was you know, I was gonna have to do 16 hours. So I wish I would have kind of paused and slowed down and kind of weighed my options before I got into it. That's good. Are there any other tips that come to mind for other authors that may be, you know, thinking that they might want to record their own or certain that they want to record their own, but it's new for them? Any other things that you'd want them to know ahead of time? This is gonna sound kind of funny, but it's something you told me is to drink a lot of water, like days ahead of time and it's so funny because when i was so nervous for the first recording so i started drinking water like a week ahead of time i was like hydrating hydrating and and you can tell in the first chapter that my voice is really clear and then i got lazy and you can even i can (laughs) people might not be able but i can hear how my voice is not clear in say recording session seven or eight because at that time i was just like (laughs) it's kind of just like over it so I think understand, it just depends on how long your book is. If you have a shorter book, it's going to be a shorter project. If it's a larger book, my my suggestion would be is to just understand it's going to be a long project, but it's totally going to be worth it. You know, to just keep in mind that it is possible to finish, but it it's, and it's new. It's like a whole new genre. And I think we're so used to in today's society, like I can do anything, but you're really jumping into a whole thing if you've never done it before and it's totally doable, but it can be overwhelming. And to just know, I'm just going to take it step by step. So today we're doing the recordings. I think that preparing ahead of time of what you want to change will help a lot because I did that at the end. And so I had to go back and re-say it, like re-record a couple of sentences here and there. And that was kind of a big pain. And if I would have planned ahead, I wouldn't have to go back and change sentences but I had to do that. And that took a little bit of time. And my poor editor, he was amazing, but I always felt bad like in the recording sessions. I was like, sorry, editor, this is a lie. <laughs> <laughs> How did you, I know that one of the challenges uh, for all narrators is the um, the ability to match your voice from one day to another day. You know, if you have, when you have to go back and make changes, trying to get it so that it doesn't sound like it happened on different days. How was that for you? Yeah, we just made, I think I had to do it in two sessions, all my redos, because we waited till the end and went back. So I brought my computer in and I just played it. I, you know, I, I, I told, I found where the timestamp was. Like I I really prepared ahead of time. I learned at this point. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So I had to know exactly the timestamp of where to cut in so I could listen to about 30 seconds. And I played it for my husband and the engineer. So we all heard it. We're like, okay, did everybody hear that? And then, okay, now I'm going to record it. And sometimes I had to do it a few times to to match it. But I also noticed that it's okay if it's a little different. Like there are parts where the sentence isn't totally matched, but it happened so fast that it's going to be okay. (laughs) Right. Yeah. I, I will sometimes, if I'm just listening to an audiobook that I've gotten from, you know, uh, audiobooks.com or something, you know, and I will sometimes 
hear those things go by and, you know, and just think, that's okay. You know, you're in the, if you're engaged in the story, it doesn't matter as much. You, you don't really want the distraction, but, you know, it's not something that's going to be long term unless it happens all the time. <laughs> right. Yeah. I think the other thing, too, that I didn't realize is like the taps. I have to get like, you know, you're sitting there and you tap like the table like oh, that yeah. will get picked up. So it's you have to kind of find the position that you're comfortable and try not to yeah. move. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or maybe standing up is I think I found the best halfway through. I figured out the best way for me to sit in order to have it be less like tapping and stuff and moving around. Yeah. So it just right. takes practice. There is, a, there is definitely a, uh, a stillness that is involved, even as you're like keeping your energy up, you know, but also, you know, and keeping it spontaneous, but also having to be still and maintaining that relationship with your microphone, right? Can't be moving too yeah, much side exactly. to side or back and forth, or it definitely changes the sound. Yeah. yeah. The microphone it picks does. up everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Trucks going by, leaf blowers, things like that as well. Oh, Those yeah. are especially issues, you know, if you are recording at home. So have you found, uh, have you been doing stand-up since this process? I haven't. So I did stand-up for about eight or about eight years, starting in 2003. And I was doing it professionally, I say, because I was getting paid, but I wasn't like making a living off of it. So I was doing it a lot back then. And then I would just do shows occasionally. And then, you know, the pandemic hit. So people, right. nobody was doing <laughs> stand-up. <laughs> But I'm actually interested in getting back into it. I've been doing mental health speaking for the past. I kind of did more mental health speeches, and less comedy, but I'm actually interested in getting back into stand-up because I miss that. I miss, I, I love giving mental health speeches and I'm going to keep doing that, but sometimes it can get to be a little bit heavy. And so doing stand-up's fun because it's just, there's no, you have to agree with my message or not. Like I'm just making you laugh. And so um, I found that I sell more books when I get out there and I speak, whatever it is, in any capacity. That's when people, because they hear you and I go, oh, this person seems like kind of a cool person. I want to find out more about them. So I kind of took a pause to do the audio. For for me, I work full time. So I kind of have to decide what's my project. And so is the audio book for the past maybe 10 months, I think, 12 months, maybe even. And I kind of let myself put everything else on hold because I really wanted to finish this project. And so I'm looking forward to now getting back into speaking because that's going to that's gonna be the thing that I think gets the word out about my book. Yeah. Tell us a little bit more about that. What are the kinds of, what kinds of groups do you speak to? And, you know, what is the sort of the breadth of your topics? Yeah. So I, I'm a mental health advocate and I speak about mental illness acceptance and recovery. And I also happen to have my master's in adult education. So I have a lot of experience speaking to audiences and wanting, you know, what what is the message I'm trying to get across. And I I did a couple of programs with the National Speakers Association, maybe about 10 years. They have like a speakers academy, which I tried. But the thing that really catapulted me is I found this group called Stop Stigma uh, Sacramento Speakers Bureau. And so what they do is those people that live with a mental illness can come to them and they train them to share their story. And then we go out into the community um, and share our story together as a group. So we'll go to government agencies, schools, nonprofits, and it's we come like on their lunch break or, you know, maybe it's a, certain, a special 
event for them and we share our stories. And doing that with the group was so wonderful because I saw how powerful my story was and other people's stories. You know, what happens when you're truly honest about what you went through? It really, I saw how it would really impact people that were really craving to talk about mental health. And so I did that with them and I did a lot. And then I, I started branching on my own. So what that meant was getting a right. website <laughs> and putting myself out there practicing speeches. And then I started getting asked on my own to come. So I've done, I've spoken to a few government agencies where I just create a training. I, a lot of times will meet with them and see, you know, what kind of training are interested. And some people want just mental health, more like fun and upbeat. Some people want the whole mental illness breath. So I think basically speaking could be if you have an experience in something and you can be somewhat of an expert on a topic, you could be a speaker about anything. It's just a matter of finding your audience and putting yourself out there to market. So a speaking kind of career is is available for a lot of people, but you do have to do a lot of the legwork to get yourself out there. Um, why don't you uh, tell us your website and it might be good to spell your spell it out also so sure it's um, Maggie Newcomb m-a-g-g-i-e-n-e-w-c-o-m-b dot com so that's my website and you could my Instagram is Maggie Newcomb shares I'm also Facebook Maggie Newcomb um, and you can even um, google chocolate pudding in heaven and usually yeah. I come up too well, you should <laughs> So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Great. Well, um, I want to make sure that in the show notes that we also put your website there so that our listeners can find you and connect with you and learn more about what you are doing and how you're making a difference in the world. So thank you so much for being with me today. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you for the opportunity. Thanks for joining us today. If you have questions about how to record your own audiobook and get the level of support that you need for your process, please reach out to us at proaudiovoices.com. Thanks for joining us for Audiobook Connection, behind the scenes with the creative teams. Please take a moment to subscribe at audiobookconnection.com. The podcast is sponsored by Pro Audio Voices, helping great stories come alive through audiobook production and marketing. Learn more at ProAudioVoices.com. Again, thanks for being with us, and please join us next week. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.